Well, uh, good morning. Welcome to Rock. You guys feeling good? Like New Year's Day? Like everyone feeling like nice and awake after staying up way too late last night? Uh, I stayed up till about 1 a.m. watching that Georgia-Ohio State game. Uh, and whew, what a game that was. But I am not made to stay up till 1 a.m. anymore. That was brutal. Uh, but super fun to watch. And uh, I, I'm excited to be here today. It's been a phenomenal morning so far between the 8.30 and 10. I'm excited for what the 11.30 uh, what God is going to do here. And uh, I, I've really just been excited for this whole season that we've been in. Uh, our Christmas services were so just, just incredible. Um, and, and I'm just so thankful for all the teams that were involved and all the people that showed up. And you might be here because uh, you came to a Christmas service. So I'm so glad that you've made a return. And uh, man, I'm excited to see how God works in your life as well. Another thing that I feel really good about right now is on Friday, a certain team from Indiana played South Carolina, uh, and uh, the Irish won. Uh, so let's just all praise God for that. Thank you for your sarcastic clapping, Clemson fans. Um, I, I just got to say, uh, Notre Dame uh, officially this year has victories over Clemson and South Carolina, so we are your Palmetto Bowl state champions, okay? Um, and I know if South Carolina would have won, I don't know if I could stand on the stage and preach today. That would have been a brutal awakening come this Sunday morning, so uh, really glad they won. Uh, but I, I just love this time of year, and I love the New Year's. I love setting goals. I love looking Back on uh, the previous year, I like looking forward to what's coming ahead. I even have this thing that I call the Legacy Quest, uh, which is just a little play on word for the Legacy Quest. It's basically just a bucket list of 50 things that I want to do uh, before I die. I'm, I'm going to be adding to that soon, just things that uh, come into my life. And every year I check it off and see what I did and see what I want to do in the, the following year. And I really do believe that that's something that everyone connects with in some form. Like, we all like this idea of a fresh start. We all love this idea of having a great new year. We all love this idea of setting goals and, and, and really attacking it. And I'll be honest with you guys, I have preached a sermon similar to this the past four years because in the church world, it's a national joke that today is National Student Pastor Preach Day uh, after the lead pastors preached over Christmas. All right, so you guys get me. And uh, with that, I've typically done it in a way that I talk about setting biblical goals, and I think that's really important, obviously. But today I want to look at a different lens because I forced myself to ask myself a different question in preparation for today. And it was, why don't people accomplish their goals? Why don't people accomplish what they feel like they're supposed to do? And I think it's because people don't have great endurance. Now, this might be a literal thing where you set a goal that you're going to start working out and you're going to be all about your health and you get about 10 minutes into your first workout and you go, eh, I don't know if it's worth it. But it also might be something like, you're going through your goal, you're chasing after it, then you hit a challenge. And that challenge causes you to want to give up. Or maybe you set a goal and you feel like you're doing what God wants you to do and you're pushing hard. And after like six, seven months of doing it, you just kind of feel a little tired. And you're like, I, I just can't keep doing it anymore. Here's the thing. I, I really do believe this is kind of the underlying theme for the, the, our entire time together today. Endurance leads to excellence. And 
a great example of this is a guy named Sir Ernest Shackleton. If you don't know who Shackleton is, he was an explorer and an adventurer in the early 1900s. And uh, in 1901, he had this goal of reaching the South Pole. And uh, he went on this expedition. He got within 400 miles of the South Pole, got sick, and was sent home. About six years later, he decided he was going to go on another expedition, still trying to reach the South Pole. Nobody's reached it yet. He still wants to be the first person to reach it. So he sets off with a group of people. In 1909, two years later after they set off, they are within 97 miles of the South Pole. And they run out of food. So they have to turn around and go home. Now, if I'm Shackleton, I feel like, man, I got within 97 miles. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. But he knew he didn't accomplish his goal. And unfortunately for him, Shortly after that, someone did reach the South Pole, beating him to it. So he's sitting there, and he's thinking, what can I do? I want to go on this great adventure. I want to do something incredible. I want to have this awesome experience. And he decides to cross the 2,000-mile continent of Antarctica. And as he has this goal, what he does is he gathers a group of 28 men and 68 dogs. And in 1914, they set sail on a ship called the Endurance. And they go, and in January of 1915, they suddenly get stuck in ice, completely trapped. And for 11 straight months, they live on that ship stuck in the ice. November hits of 1915. They've been set sail for over a year at this point. And all of a sudden, the the ice pressure starts to really build. And the endurance, the ship, starts to crack, starts to break. It starts to bust. And they realize if we don't get off this ship right now, we are going to die. So they grab everything they can, all the supplies they can. They, They grab their little boats that they had. They're about 15, 20 feet long. They get off it, and now they're on the ice. They watch as their ship crumbles and gets uh, sunk in the sea. For five months, they sat stuck on that ice shelf, surviving off of seals and living in negative 30-degree weather. This is as bad as bad gets. They kill their dogs. They're out of supplies, and they realize, like, man, we got to go do something. So one day, this tiny sliver of water opens up in the water, and they know there's potential of the ice coming back together and crushing their tiny boats. They're like, man, if we don't go and do something now, we will die. So they jump in their three small boats, and they sail for a place called Elephant Isle. They get there. They get land. They see land for the first time in a year and a half. Unfortunately, it's just a bunch of rocks. And they're on that bunch of rocks with no one around them for a while, and they realize, man, like, We can't survive on here. If the winter comes, the waves are going to be too bad. The storms are going to be so bad. We got to do something else. Help's not coming. So Shackleton and five men, they jump on a a tiny 20-foot boat. And they set sail for a hopefully known fisher spot. And remember, this isn't the age of electronics. They are guiding by stars and maps and hoping for the best. And they set sail on this trip. And by some miracle, they make it. And if you go and look at the the sea that they had to cross, 
You would see the ships that are crossing it today, and then you imagine a 20-foot boat trying to cross it. It would be incredible. It's some of the most dangerous seas in the entire world. Yet somehow, they make it to land. They make it to civilization. At that point, they got to figure out how do they get back to Elephant Isle because their people are still there. And two, three months later, they finally were able to get back to Elephant Isle. And as they arrive, they realize every single person is still alive. Two years abandoned the Antarctic. Two years in the ice. Two years by themselves. Two years struggling. They endured. And to me, when I think about this story, what I see is clear. The endurance, the boat led to excellence. This was men who bonded together, fought together, struggled together, and they were able to accomplish the impossible. The book that I read that was all about this story was called The Endurance. It was my favorite read of 2022. It said this. In that instant, they felt an overwhelming sense of pride and accomplishment. Though they had failed dismally, even to come close to the expedition's original objective, they knew now that somehow they had done much, much more than they ever set out to do. Because they endured, they experienced excellence. And I believe the same thing can be said for all of us. This is not a new idea. This is an idea that Paul, a leader in the early church, told a young man that he uh, poured into named Timothy. We'll look at the, the scripture together. It's, it's a letter that he wrote, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 is where, where we'll start. This is Paul, and he says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Paul understood that if we want to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish, then we have to be willing to endure. If we want to have excellence, we have to be willing to endure. If we want to accomplish our goals, we have to be willing to endure. If we want to be better, we have to be willing to endure. But how do we do that? How do we actually make that happen? As people, as a church, in our faith, what are the steps to actually do that? Paul gives us three things to do in the following few verses that that are just perfect to teach us how to endure. The first thing he says to do is to commit like a soldier. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 4, the first part of it, it says this. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. Now you might be going, Clay, what does that mean? What does that actually mean? The, well, a commentary worded it really well. It said this. Neither the minister nor the soldier is to be encumbered with the affairs of, his, of this life. And the one should not be more than the other. This is always a condition in becoming a soldier. He gives up his own business during the time for which he is enlisted and devotes himself to the service of his country. The farmer leaves his plow, and the mechanic his shop, and the merchant his store, and the student his books, and the lawyer his brief. And neither of them expect to pursue those things while engaged in the service of their country. Another way to say this is soldiers were completely, fully committed to their cause. And at first we're like, yeah, that's something I definitely want to do. Because we are people who like to commit. 
We set New Year's resolutions. We set goals. We say we want to be better. But statistically, it seems like it's otherwise. These are some stats from the New Year's. 9% of people successfully keep their New Year's resolutions. 23% of people quit by the end of the first week. 64% of people quit after the first month. Most people quit on the second Friday of the month. People have named this Quitter's Day. If you're considering, please don't fall into that statistic. At least last till Saturday, right? Here's the craziest one for me. 43% of people expect to give up on their goals by February. If we go into something expecting to lose, there is no way we are going to be able to endure to win. But the ultimate question is, what are we trying to do? What are we really trying to commit to? What's winning for us? What's this life look like? And I asked Fink, our, our lead pastor, this, and, and he, he worded it very simply, and I, I really liked his answer. He said, winning this year for every person in our church and our entire church is following Jesus in every area of your life and helping people do the same. It's that simple. Follow Jesus in every area of your life and help other people do the same. And when you think about it that way, that victory is too important to not fully commit. Following Jesus and being his disciple, that's too important to not fully commit. Helping your husband find what matters, that's too important to not fully commit. Your financial future, that's too important to not fully commit. Your relationship with your kids, that's too important to not fully commit. Your health, whether that is physical health, spiritual health, mental health, whatever it may be, that's too important to not fully commit. We have a, a, a Roman leader, he said this in the rules of war. Roman soldiers were not allowed to marry, engage in husbandry or trade, act like tutors, take care of property, or teach. The Romans, who were at that point the greatest soldiers in history, knew that they had to be solely focused on one thing every single day, that their success took that kind of commitment. And I, re- I heard an interesting quote a few weeks ago, and it's just been sticking with me, uh, and I, I can't get it out of mind, and it was this. Rome wasn't built in a day, but it was built every day. And to me, when I think about it, I'm trying to keep that in my mind. That's something I'm holding on to because every single day, I want to be committed to being the best follower of Jesus, husband, father, pastor, person that I can be. That's what I'm fully committed to. That's a victory for me that's too important to not fully commit to. But here's the thing, I gotta be careful, and we all have to be careful. When we set these goals, when we set these resolutions, when we are trying to do what God wants us to do, we have to make sure the glory goes to God, not ourselves. Because it's very easy to set self-centered goals. Paul understood this. He actually wrote this inside of this scripture. Let's look what it says, the second part of this verse. It says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. 
Our commanding officer is Jesus. He's enlisted us into this mission. Our goal, our aim should be to do everything possible to commit our lives fully to him, to bring glory to him. And that is great because when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, when we want to give up, we have a greater purpose that we are able to to go with, to endure with, to say, I'm doing something bigger than just for me. I'm doing it for God. Endurance leads to excellence. So commit like a soldier. And the second thing you got to do is to compete like an athlete. Uh, Verse 5, it says this. If anyone completes, uh, competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. I love that, that Paul brought up athletics here. I mean, it, they were huge at the time. They were a really big deal. Uh, the Olympics started around 776 B.C. You had wrestling, pentathlon, running events, boxing, all sorts of different things. It was big in the culture. And as we know, sports and athletic and fitness and, and all sorts of things, those are big in our culture as well. And one of the things about this time of year is that we are trying to endure and achieve mastery over our bodies, over our fitness, to be the best versions of ourselves. That's why we set health-related goals around this time of year. Unfortunately, a lot of times when we set those goals, we don't know how to actually accomplish the things that we want to do. So we kind of just try a bunch of different things, and sometimes they fail spectacularly. Now, I don't know what your preferred social media platform is. I don't know if it's Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it may be. No matter where you're at, there's one thing that you can find on every platform, and that is fail videos, right? And most specifically, my favorite fail videos are the gym fail videos. Because you have people trying to do something and it does not work at all, and it makes me laugh so hard. And the, the, the piece of equipment that makes me laugh the hardest is this one, the little stretchy band. You know what I'm talking about? Because what will happen is someone won't really know how to use it, or they'll be way too confident in using it, and they'll use it incorrectly. And as they have it real stretched out, all of a sudden it snaps and it hits them. At first, you go, oh, I feel so bad for them. And then you find yourself laughing, right? It's not a great thing, but you do it because it's funny. That's why I don't use these. Or work out. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, these kind of bands, the other kind of bands as well, those are a useful tool. If you use them correctly, man, it's a great thing. It can really help you have better health, right? And for a lot of us, in the same way, we want to be spiritually healthy. We're like, oh, I'm going to do all this. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to do all this. This is going to be great. But we don't actually know how to do things. And because we aren't doing things the right way, it actually sometimes ends up hurting us. Maybe that's some sin problem that we have that we don't know how to conquer. Or it might just be we do things wrong because we simply just do not know. And there's no sin to it. It's just incorrect. And you might be going, I want to get spiritually healthy. I want to have something better. I want to have a better year. How do I do that? Two things you've got to do is you've got to connect to Jesus and you've got to connect to others. And connecting to Jesus is simple. Read your Bible. 
That right there, the Bible is your training plan. It is your diet plan. God's looking at us and saying, guys, if you just read this book, if you just read scripture, if you just read my word that I have poured out for you, you will have everything you need in life. You will have all the answers. You have every, every question that you have, it is in there, it has been answered, you can follow their example. And I know there's a lot of times in my life where I'm like, God, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, and I'm sure God's like, just open up my word. I have like seven different examples in there on what you can do. Just do one of them and it's gonna be okay. If we read scripture, if we connect to Jesus that way, we will get the training plan. That will help us compete like an athlete. The other thing we gotta do is connect with others. You've been on a sports team before and you've been at a really hard workout. You know how valuable it is to have other people doing that workout with you. You guys bond together, you work together and you get through that together. You might hate it in the moment, it might be super hard, but coming together in that moment, you can get through it. Because let's admit it, there are times in life where things are hard, where even though you want to get better, you just wanna give up because it's too difficult. And that's when you have to get people around you. I believe if you don't have people to endure with, you don't stand a, endure, a chance at enduring for the long run. I mean, if you think back to that scripture that we started with, verse three, it said, endure with me. Paul didn't just say, hey, Timothy, you gotta endure. Hey, Timothy, uh, rub some dirt on it, you'll be fine. Hey, Timothy, you'll be okay, suck it up, quit whining. No, he said, endure with me. We have to have people around us. We have to have community. If you are not on a team in 2023, you gotta get on a team. You're missing out on a major factor that will put your faith through the roof because you will have people to lean on in the hard times. You'll have people to ask questions to. You can go to them and ask them about their experiences and similar situations. You gotta have that community around you. And as you begin to do that, that will make you better. So you connect to Jesus, you start to understand, okay, this is how I do it. You start to connect to others, like, okay, I can do this. I got people around me, I got my support system. And then you are really doing a great job of competing as an athlete. It's an amazing thing. But there's also danger here. Because once you know the rules, it can be pretty easy to start cheating. Oh, I can get away with this. Oh, no one knows if I do that. Oh, I know this isn't the right thing to do, but I can get more eyes on me if I do it that way. You can't win the crown if you start cheating. So stop cheating. Don't look for the easy way out. Because when you cheat the competition, you're cheating yourself. You're taking away from some of the potential that God put in you. And you're not just cheating yourself, you're, you're also cheating others because the influence that you've had over people is now going to be tainted. But that means you're also cheating God because God has put the, together this plan for you, this, this, this strategy for you, this, this way to live. And you're saying, no, you know, I'm going to take the easy way out. I'm going to do the things my way. I'm going to do how I want to do it which means you're really cheating the mission, which means once you are at the end of the race, you're at the end of the competition, it might look like you had all the success in the world, but your success is invalidated. 
Right now, uh, I, I keep seeing it all over the internet, but Hall of Fame baseball ballots are being released. And I see name after name after name of players who are star players, who had all the accolades, had all the stats, had all the moments. They are Hall of Famers without a doubt. But they got caught using steroids. And because they got caught using steroids, people won't vote them into the Hall of Fame. Is that the case with us? We might look like we have all the, the right things. On the outside, it might be looking great. But are you cheating on the inside? Compete like an athlete. Endure through the hard times. Don't cheat for the easy times. It's not worth it. The crown, that is worth it. Endurance leads to excellence. So commit like a soldier. Compete like an athlete. And the third thing is to work like a farmer. Verse six, it says this. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Because I'll be real with you. Setting goals for 2023, that's easy. Wanting to get better, that's easy. Chasing after excellence and being like, oh yeah, excellence sounds awesome. That's pretty easy. Enduring and actually doing it is hard work. I don't know if you know much of my story, but uh, I'm originally from the land of corn, uh, Illinois, and uh, not a lot in that state other than cornfields. So I knew a lot of farmers growing up. And I know down here farming is a, is a big thing as well. And what I have learned in, in my life, and one thing I praise God for, is that I was not born into a family of farmers. And it's not because they aren't great, but it's because they have to work really hard. <laughs> they work really, really, really hard. I remember as a high schooler, I would be sitting there with a teammate before like two-a-day football practices. Like, Man, I'm tired today. Yesterday was hard. I got two practices today. And he would just look at me and be like, Could you be quiet? I was up at 4 a.m. this morning feeding the goats and working on the fields. Like, and I'm like, ah, well, that sucks for you, man. Right? Like, like, I would be like, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, I'm good. I didn't envy him at all. But then I would go into competition against a farmer, and I'd be very jealous. Because you don't know strength until you're wrestling a corn-fed boy from a town of 500 in Iowa, right? That is a different kind of strong. And once I realized that, I went, oh, man, I really wish I was a farmer because they got a different kind of strength. And it's because when you endure hard work consistently, you come out stronger. And this life, it's not an easy life. Wish it was. That'd be great. I would love to stand up and tell you, this year is going to be the easiest year of your life. It's not. It's not. And I would love to tell you what God calls you to do is going to be easy. It isn't. Being a single parent is hard. Being the only person in your family that has faith is hard. Being a high schooler and having the guts to invite a friend to a Wednesday night group is hard. 
being someone who wants to be a person of influence at their work, at their job, that is hard. But if you endure through the hard work, you come out stronger on the other side and you come out better for it. The book of Proverbs has some great scriptures on hard work. 24.12, it says, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. 13.4, lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. 14.23, work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. You see, the hardworking farmer gets to experience the fruit of the harvest first because they were prepared. They're not running behind schedule. They're not trying to cram in any last work. They're saying, no, I've done the work. I put the work in. I did all the right things. And because of that, they get to experience it when the time comes. So this year, we got to say, I'm willing to endure. I'm willing to put in the hard work. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to experience excellence. So as we go into a time of response, I want to ask you this question. Will you endure? Like I said, 2023, unfortunately for us, isn't going to be an easy one. The reason I know this is because at the end of every year, we all go, man, that was a hard year, wasn't it? A lot happened, right? And I used to think, man, it just, years get hard. But the truth is, that's just how life is. Life isn't easy because we are separated from God. So there's going to be hard times. But that doesn't mean it can't be your best year ever. Just because it's not going to be an easier doesn't mean it can't be your best year. The key is understanding what is excellent and what is not. And what is excellent is that of God and what is not is not of God. Paul says it really well to wrap up the second Timothy chapter two section. It says, so I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. If we want to experience excellence, all we got to do is endure and do what God calls us to do. The way we do that is we commit to it like a soldier. We compete like an athlete. We follow those rules. We be the best that we could possibly be. And then we work like a farmer. We put the work in, not expecting it to just happen, but doing the things that we need to do each and every single day so that we can experience the excellent harvest that is coming. The perfect example of following this, the perfect example of someone enduring is Jesus himself. Just a few days ago, you know, we had Christmas. We thought about and we talked about Jesus coming down from heaven to earth as a little baby. I want you to think about how he had to endure while he was here on this earth. Those 33 years. He knew that he was separated from God. 
He knew he was separated from heaven. He knew that he was on earth when he could have been up in his seat as God. But he chose to endure. And all the, tempta- all the temptation that he faced, all the struggles that he was put forth, all the things that were put in his faith that he could have fallen away, where he could have chose to sin, where he could have just done whatever he wanted. He chose to endure because he knew if he sinned, then we have a hard time getting to him. That we can't get to him. So he chose to endure. And then Jesus was arrested. He's beaten, he's mocked, spit on, crown of thorns on his head, whipped. And at any point you could say, you know what, this is too much. This isn't worth it. These people push me away. Why am I doing this? And he could have decided, you know, I'm done with this. He could have gone right back up to heaven. Forgot all about us. But he chose to endure. And then he was on the cross. God, why have you forsaken me? The weight of the world's sin on his shoulders. At any point, he could have said, I don't want to do this anymore. But he didn't. He chose to endure. Then he was in the grave for three days. And he endured through that and rose from the dead. When I look at the pattern of Jesus enduring and doing what he had to do, what God had called him to do, what he himself wanted to do, I see excellence. And we can all experience that excellence as well by making a decision to follow him in every area of our lives. Are you willing to endure for that? In just a moment, we're going to sing. There's going to be some options for you guys to respond today. Maybe today you want to come up and take communion at the front of the stage. And, and think about how Jesus endured. How his body was broken. How his blood was spilled. And you thank him. Maybe you need to contemplate your 2023. And you just need to have a moment of prayer. And say, okay, God, help me. Help me to commit like a soldier. Help me to compete like an athlete. Help me to work like a farmer. Maybe today is a day where you feel like you need to take the step of baptism. We have a team that would love to talk to you about that. We have an opportunity today to make a decision to endure and do whatever God has called us to do. And when we do that, we get to experience Jesus, which means we get to experience excellence. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for enduring for us. Thank you for your best. Thank you for doing what you did. Lord, help us to commit and to compete and to work hard. Lord, help us to endure and do exactly what you've called us to do. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Amen. Let's just